When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. The award-winning Crunch Time. Ball at ground level for Papley. Fed it to McDonald, who snaps from 30 metres out. He snuck it in. Margin back to a point. Margin remains at a point in favour of the D's. Errol Gordon comes in. Will kick from beyond the arc on a 45-degree angle. Loads it up. Oh, Errol. He scores the goal. He pumps it up to the Swans fans in the Olympic stand of the MCG. Swans back in front, 9-12-66, plays 9-7-61. We're into time on final term. The Papley up against the boundary line to make it 11 points. He's off to the races with the celebration. He's pumped Tommy Papley. Those little legs are pumping. Two goals to his name tonight. And the Swans are now in control. Oh, it was a, it was a beauty. Uh, um, you know, our, our blokes have been really good this year as far as um, just keep going at it, keep going at the process, keep uh, backing each other in. They've done it a number of times. They just keep going at it. Things aren't going their way. Uh, but just you know, admire the players, their ability to be able to back themselves in and keep going and keep persisting. And they've done it a few times. It certainly was a beauty. The Swans stunned the D's at the MCG, handing the Premiers their second consecutive loss. Sam Reid stepping up in Buddy Franklin's absence with three goals, and it leaves us with questions over Melbourne and its own forward line, while the Swans' belief continues to grow. The decisive player to provide the deciding moment from 48 metres out. Cameron kicks his sixth. And the Cats will make landfall. Oh, there's oh. a big leap from Taylor Walker Backed to finish there. off the day. Oh, that's a cracking mark. What a mark. Out of nowhere, the siren sounds. Final score, 13-10, 88. Defeating the West Coast Eagles, 8-9-57. All thrown in. Rao, Swallow, hands off to Rankin, who once runs towards the boundary. Oh, yeah. Swings the kick back and converts. Isaac Rankin with the brilliant finish from the right forward pocket. Uh, the Suns are now 6-6 six and six and just outside the top eight on percentage. Will they finally make their first appearance in September? The Crows snapping a five-game losing streak yesterday as they overcame the Eagles at Adelaide Oval to notch up their fourth win of the season. We will speak to their star midfielder Ben Keyes in just a moment. We'll unpack all of that and more, plus the Cats on Friday night. This is Sunday Crunch Time.
Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend wherever you are listening. Nat Edwards with you. We've got a big Sunday afternoon of footy coming up. Hawthorne and Collingwood at the MCG, 2.10 start this afternoon. Then Fremantle and Brisbane. That is going to be an absolutely cracking game. Optus Stadium, 5.20 p.m. Eastern time for that one. And joining me this morning on Sunday Crunch Time is... Well, a premiership hawk himself and a man who played about, what, 205 games across Hawthorne and Gold Coast, Campbell Brown. Welcome to you. Good morning still, isn't it? How (laughs) how are you? I'm going well. How are you? It's been a while since we've uh, we've done something like this, hasn't it? I know. It's good to see you. Nice little reunion. How have you found this weekend of footy? It's it's weird with not so many games on. Yeah, well, a few of the clubs are enjoying their buy, aren't they? I thought um, there's been some terrific games of footy. Uh, Friday nights was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? and the Cats, they needed a fast start because I was a little bit worried about their midfield and how they would uh, cope with the leg speed and the run and carry of the Western Bulldogs. But it helps when you get out to a four or five goal head start, doesn't it? And they Jeez. did enough to hold on. They certainly did. That was stunning. And then, of course, last night's game at the MCG was absolutely crazy. We will get into all of that in just a moment, of course. The buys. What did you do in your buy rounds? We, we you? used to go to Byron Bay. There's a oh. little. Uh, there's a little nightclub called Cheeky Monkeys. Oh, I know Cheeky Monkeys but, well. Um, yeah, <laughs> it used to be full of backpackers, and everyone used to have a good time up there. You dance on the COVID. tables. Yes, yes. So um, there was a little crew of us that used to love Byron and escaping up there. When we couldn't, we'd always go up there for the buy round for three or four days and have a bit of fun. Just you know, not relaxing and and training in your <laughs> there was a lot of training a lot of um different kind of training mental relaxation yeah, yeah. and bonding yeah, well, we call but it you bonding do, you do need to switch off though because it is such a long and arduous season in particular when you are playing finals footy that's yep. an extra month added on top so players do need to mentally switch off don't yeah, they yeah absolutely and we're halfway through the uh through the season at the moment and, and you know that the, the back end is going to be really tough and, and arduous and um you don't get too many opportunities with, with travel and fixtures and things like that to, to really um, have a bit of a blowout and, and relax. So um, the split round is good to recuperate physically, mentally, and also just have a little bit of bit of fun because uh, you want to launch into September. Does Cheeky Monkeys still exist? Um, I think it does. A couple of years. Yeah, I think it does, but it's not, it's not what it used to be. Nothing is what it used oh, to be. Those were the good old days. Well, <laughs> let's get straight into some footy chat. We'll stop talking about Cheeky Monkeys and Byron Bay, but perhaps Ben Keyes. I reckon our next when he was guest. at Brisbane, he would have ventured down <laughs> Maybe to. Maybe we should ask him, but uh, Adelaide Grows midfielder Ben Keyes has been good enough to join us after yesterday's win. Welcome to you, Ben. Hey guys, thanks for having me. And yes, I do know about Cheeky Monkeys in Byron Bay. <laughs> Did you dance on the tabletops? Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a prerequisite that you had to do that. Now, congratulations on the four points yesterday. I mean, you, you got off to an absolutely cracking start, but probably fell away from what your coach, Matthew Nix, calls your DNA, that contested game after that. How did you assess the win as a, as a team? Yeah, I think we, we certainly started well um, and yeah, it probably set us up to sort of oh, drop off in the end. Um, but that being said, West Coast played a really good um, sort of wet weather footy brand. Uh, they were really, really strong in the contest, actually, and they really turned the heat up uh, in the last quarter in particular. Um, but yeah, we've done our work uh, quite early in the game. So um, yeah, we're able to hang on. 
What was one of the most pleasing things about the win yesterday? I mean, your forward line seems to be functioning pretty well at the moment. Yeah, I think the the way we played, um, it, it it was wet at times. It, all, it also uh, the sun came out for for little parts of the game as well. So it sort of swapped between um, sort of dry game and then like a real sort of wet slog. Yeah. So um, the the style of footy was we sort of had to manage that on the ground. But I think we we did that pretty well. Um, sort of the balance of when to use the numbers and and shape the ball um, as opposed to sort of just just getting on the boot and banging it. Uh, and then when it was sort of really wet and slippery, we were able to just sort of make that adjustment. But, yeah, the forwards certainly did their did their part and played really well. Benny, your third year at the, the Crows this year, it looks like you're just absolutely loving your footy. You've been given a licence in that midfield to, to hunt after the ball. And, um, you know, you probably caught a lot of people by surprise in, in the first year. You were fifth in the best and fairest, but certainly the opposition and, and the footy public now absolutely know what you're capable of. You're averaging nearly 30 disposals. Talk us through your, your journey and, and how um, you, you got your confidence in your body and uh, and your second chance. Yeah, I, I sort of just I felt like I was a little bit of a late developer in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, I, I always had the belief, I guess, deep down that, um, you know, all the hard work would, would pay off in, in some way. Um, I, I, I didn't know how. Uh, I didn't know sort of what was going to happen, but I just had that faith that, um, you know, everything I did would add up. So that, that was the way that I just sort of kept my attitude um, really positive and just kept working really hard just with the, the long-term goal in mind, um, sort of that delayed gratification um, rather than sort of wanting the instant reward. So, yeah, once I, once I got that down pat, it was, uh, yeah, it was just, a matter of yeah, getting to getting the right club for me and and getting some belief from the coaches to to give me a run in the team and just give me a shot. Um, and then yeah, and and that happened. Um, lucky enough to land uh, in Adelaide, which I've absolutely loved, and came in with a new coach as well with Nixie. So Nixie was sort of rebuilding the team. Um, and yeah, he he was uh, he was great for me and gave me a chance. And yeah, I'm just uh, I'm loving it. Um, still a long way to go. Still early in the season. I was just. Just hit the uh, the mid season by now, so hopefully plenty of uh, good footy to come the second half of the year. It's important that isn't it? There's, there's some clubs that you just you just click with with coaches as well. And I've spoken to Josh Kennedy uh, when he moved up to Sydney. It was like it was just the perfect fit, and it's it appears a bit like that with you, mate. Hey, um, on another point, leadership. Uh, I know that you've captained the club for a few weeks in Rory Sloan's absence. How have you found that? It's been awesome. It's 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 been a massive honour. Um, Tried, tried not to, uh, I guess, get too uh, carried away and, and trying to, I guess, um, just trying to stay level and, and do what I've been doing. So, uh, yeah, not getting too caught up in it all, but it has it has been great. It's been a, been a, a massive honour and uh, it's something I've, I've definitely had to work on, uh, especially this year, just with the profile of our list, um, the amount of uh, young and inexperienced players we've got. I think it's sort of just... Uh, yeah, meant that I uh, just naturally had to step up. Really, didn't really have a choice, and um, yeah, I've relished it. And we've, we've still got some good, strong leaders at the club that I've learnt off. What did that experience teach you about yourself? Um, oh, I haven't really sort of had time to reflect on that. I, I just think it's a, it's a, it's a whole build up of, of things. It's um, yeah, it's it's something that I guess the the public see on game day. Um, they see someone run out, but it, it is just. It starts from, I guess, early in the off season, all the way through the preseason, all the way through the the trial games. It's it's just a it's an everyday thing, and that's what I've sort of tried to just make my my career about now. Just just 
just the everyday, um, just trying to get better in some sort of way um, every day. Try not to worry about sort of the long-term stuff and just, yeah, um, just try and do that. And uh, I guess that, that leadership stuff just came along the way. And, um, yeah, I've loved it. And I, hopefully I can uh, keep working on it and be a real strong leader for the club. And one of the blokes uh, that you get around every single stoppage is Riley O'Brien. He, talk us through him because he's fascinating. He won the best and fairest a couple of years ago. I, I had him as one of the best ruckmen in the competition. He it surprised me a little bit looking from afar to find him out of the side there for a couple of weeks, and uh, he certainly bounced back against the Cats. He was he was unbelievable. What what went on um, to find his himself dropped? Yeah, well, I guess we just had some some tough weeks as, as a whole club, really. Not not just Riley, but um, yeah, there was a, a time there where. Mixie had to had to move some magnets around and, and give some guys that have been playing really well in the sample a chance. Um, and yeah, we we had a couple of couple of uh, bigger losses. We're, we've been pretty competitive this year, but we had a couple of games where we really sort of slipped off. And um, yeah, it was, it was a whole team thing, and uh, obviously not just Riley, but yeah, um, Riley was was one of the guys that found himself sort of in rotation with uh, with Kieran Strawn, who's just been awesome in the sample, awesome all preseason. So um, yeah, I guess. People saw that uh, that Rob got got dropped, but it was also a credit to to Kieran, who had been plugging away and, and playing some really good footy. So he deserved his chance. Um, but yeah, Riley's a, a really true professional. So the way he responded um, was just amazing. He was uh, yeah, he was fantastic in the sample, and then yeah, found himself straight back in the team and had two massive weeks. Um, been really important for us the last couple of weeks. So hopefully we can keep that form going post by. Darcy Fogarty's the other one that's sort of been in and out of the side. I think a lot of Crows fans have just been wanting to see some consistency from him. I thought his work rate yesterday was excellent. It's one of the best games I think I've seen him play. Can you just talk us through, I guess, the work that he's been putting into it behind the scenes from not just a physical aspect, but also a mental aspect because he's now reaping the rewards. Just give us some insight into the work that he's been doing. Yeah, I think he's just growing in confidence. Um, he, he's working really uh, closely with the forwards coach and with Nixie as well on, on what they want from him. And I think the biggest thing for us and the biggest improvement I've seen uh, in Fogg is his selfless uh, brand of footy that he plays. It, it probably goes a little bit unnoticed um, to the public eye and uh, when he kicks the kicks the goals and takes the marks, it's sort of, that's what's talked about. But yeah, his work uh, sort of off the ball and um, and how he's playing his footy, how selfless he is. I think he's um, he's just grown so much and he's really getting that experience. I think he's he's around. I think he's 22 now, so I really think we're going to start seeing some uh, some of Fog's best footy, and um, it's really exciting because he's such a talent. But when you've got a guy that's as talented as him um, that wants to work for the team now as well, uh, that's just a really good weapon to have. So. Um, I think he's been fantastic. I, I love playing with him personally. And, um, yeah, he's uh, he's one that's just, just really improving every week. Tex is the other forward that was absolutely outstanding yesterday. A lot of talk about his contract. Would you like to see him play on next year? Do you think he can? Oh, absolutely, yeah. He's, he always, he gets better every week. Oh, I swear he does something <laughs> uh, something something better every week and, and just he just shocks everyone. Yeah, we love him. We love Tex. Uh, he's he's just been incredible. Um, and another one that's that's helped with with the guys that sort of you know fog the ones we just spoke about. Um, he's right there helping him, helping him get better. I think he really wants to to see the club succeed um, whenever his time's up. So he's really putting time into that area. Um, 
he's one that was massive with me as well with my leadership and um, captaining the side. He, um, he was one that I lent on. I sort of asked him a few things and flicked him a few messages when I needed some advice, um, and he was right there to help me. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's a little insight on, on what he's like mm. sort of within the four walls um, because you all see how good he is on game day, but um, he's contributing in, in every way possible. Yeah, you need that older presence, especially up forward, and, and that forward line is a pretty exciting mix now. You've got the young guys in, in Rochelle and Saligo and, uh, and Jimmy Rowe. Um, you've got Big Tex and, and Fogarty who are the focal points and, and throw McAdam in there. It must be um, pretty exciting when you get the ball as, as a midfielder and look up and you see those boys darting around. Yeah, it's, it's really dynamic. It's, it's, become, it's become a really um, sort of uh, high work rate forward line. They can really get up and down the ground. Uh, I think that's that's probably the most important part for us as well is is the the ability to shift in defence and that's why guys like Ned McHenry and, and Lockie Murphy are, are just so good to play with because um, you know you're going to get um, such a massive defensive output from them and then um, yeah they've been able to add the cream on top um, a few times this year as well. Um, we probably couple of times this year we probably really haven't helped them with our ball movement but we're, we're starting to figure that out now because we're a young side we're sort of adding stuff uh, week by week trying to build our uh, our all-round game style so we're getting there we're still a long way to go but yeah I thought yesterday we definitely uh, gave the forwards a, a much better chance than, than what we had in some previous weeks and yeah then you're able to see how how good they are when they're uh, when they're given that chance. So what does the next week hold for you? You're on the bye now. What do you do over the next week to kind of freshen up for the second half of the season? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, the bye's come. Certainly a good time for myself. I'm starting to feel a little bit sore, so I'll, uh, I'll use every bit of it to just refresh and, and get the body right. And, um, yeah, I'll head back off to Queensland as well um, to see my family and spend some time in the sun up there. And then, yes, yeah, nice. we, we come back and we're, we're playing, the, playing the Suns um, up on the Gold Coast. So that's going to be a huge challenge for us. Uh, they're going really well. I'm playing some awesome footy. So that's going to be, uh, that's going to be the focus um, after, the, after the break. Riley O'Brien's Twitter etiquette seems to improved a little bit. I, I follow him just hoping for a little bit of gold like last year and he doesn't deliver anymore. What's going on? Yeah, that, that, I still can't believe that actually happened. <laughs> it was, it actually, it got brought up the other day. It, get, it doesn't get brought up heaps, but sometimes it'll just sort of find its way to the to the forefront. Someone will say something, and everyone just goes, "I can't believe that actually happened." <laughs> it was magnificent, mate. As uh, as you are, keep keep doing what you're doing, and um, good luck for the buy and the rest of the season. Um, because I'm sure there's pretty exciting eleven weeks ahead. Thanks, Brownie. Thanks, Nat. Great to chat to you guys. Thanks, Ben. Ben Keys there, Adelaide midfielder. He's an absolute yeah. star. He I is. have loved watching him. I mean, he's just so hard. by the lines. Yes, and, and just getting that second opportunity, and he's taken it with both hands, and I'm just loving him go about it. He looks like he's enjoying his footy. Yeah, you love to see it, don't you? Because it doesn't always work out first time around. You're a young kid when you get drafted, 18, 19, 20, and... Um, you know, like I said, some clubs, it doesn't work out for you. And you go to another club, you get a second lease on life and you get that belief from the coach and, mm. and everything. Um, and he's, he's leading them magnificently. So, yeah, I reckon the Riley O'Brien tweet is a second, my second favourite <laughs> moment in football in the modern era behind um, Harry Taylor with the, oh, the, ham, the ham in his in sock, sock, which was to JJ, right, <laughs> who we can speak to. After I can't fathom that he played a half a footy with ham in his sock just to pull it out when he shook his hand at the end, but it is 
gold. That would have felt so gross on so many <laughs> levels. But <Damn>. magnificent. <laughs> What's the best prank that you've ever played? Oh, gee, I I was a bit of a prankster, but I don't think I went to anything to that degree. We just used to um, uh, there was a thing called it, it was worse than deep heat, oh. right? It was like that what you used to rub on horses, yeah, uh, rappy gel. And we used to sort of put that in blokes' jocks and on the oh. toilet seat, just really mature <laughs> behaviour, you know. But, um, yeah, I didn't do too much else. I was too lazy. Oh, dear. All right, plenty more to come on Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Rewards. Wonder visit southaustralia.com. We'll be back to chat the Sydney-Melbourne game right after this. You're listening to Crunch Time. South Australia, perfect for those who want a little more this winter. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops will be taking calls all weekend on the Kogan open line. Make the call. Switch to Kogan Mobile from $2.90 for 30 days with a big 20 gig of data. Nat Edwards and Campbell Brown with you on your Sunday morning. Hope you're having a fantastic weekend. We're going to deep dive into what happened at the MCG last night. The Swans stunning the D's by 12 points. A final score, Sydney 10-13-73, defeating Melbourne 9-7-61. The D's second loss of the year. They haven't lost back-to-back games since the 2020 season. No Stephen May. There was nobody Franklin either, Brownie. Are we concerned about the D's at all? I wasn't last week because I believe that, you know, after so many wins in a row that it was the loss that they, they probably to had to have, you know, just to to sharpen them back up. And now they've lost two in a row. And the, I mean, the thing that I noticed last night, I, I did the, the Dockers game last week, yep. and um, they comprehensively beat them in the clearances. So automatically you, you say, okay, well, it's a pretty fundamental thing with football. If you if you can win the clearances, it gives you a good chance of winning the game. And um, the the Swans matched it with them and, and, and won clearances plus three mm. um, on the weekend. The other th- really f- big thing that I've noticed the last two weeks is both those sides, Fremantle and Sydney Swans, haven't overpossessed the football with handball. Very low handball numbers I- in comparison to kick-to-handball ratio. I think the Sydney Swans realised there was no Steve May down back who, who plays that yep. qu- quarterback sweeper role so well that if you get the footy... the, the Melbourne are so good at at team defence and hunting the play with the ball. So if I get the ball and I handball to you, mm. I'm just transferring the pressure, right? But if you can get it forward and you've got some leg speed, which you know, Papley and a couple of guys had, and, and the week before that was Frederick and um, Collier and everything, if you can just get the ball, look up, kick it to some space, kick it into, out into the open, you take out the intercept mark game of Melbourne. Yep. You're gaining territory – and you can start to play the game on your half. And, and if your forwards are good enough to win that battle, then you're having a shot on goal. And I, and I think that's the blueprint to beating Melbourne. That Their, their transition on slow play is mm. so good yeah. that if you just hold on to it for a couple of seconds too long, you, you don't pull the trigger on that kick into the corridor, so you're forced to kick it long down the line. Good luck. Maxi Gorn, who was unbelievable last night. So good. But their big guys um, are, are so good in the aerial contest they get the numbers to the fall of the ball and then they start chaining it out. So I reckon you'll see sides 
uh, starting to to do that a little bit more. Just cut the hand. Like sometimes if it's a forward handball to a player that can play on and run, great. But those little dinky ones, mm. you just you just transfer in the pressure. You're waiting for it to get turned over, and that's how they prey on you. Yeah, and the Swans' pressure was immense last night. They had 75 tackles for the game to 53 to the Ds. They had eight players that had more than five tackles throughout the game. And I cannot believe when I looked at the stats at the end of the night, I was looking at Sam Reid. He had 10 tackles yep. as a big key forward. I mean, and five of those were inside 50. He was terrific as well. But it was at their pressure and they maintained the rage for most of the game bar the, the start where they sort of dropped the ball a little bit. Yeah, it's. I mean, they were up for the contest. Weren't their appetite to compete was, was you know, brilliant. Um, and the Sydney Swans, they're, they're an interesting beast because – the last three weeks, they've been well and truly beaten in quarters and down. Against Carlton, it was like seven yeah. goals to one, right? Yep. And you thought, oh, it's right. over. And they just ground their way back into the game. They didn't win it, but it got to the last quarter and there was a kick in They were in, in the mix, yep. Richmond. Then last weekend, Richmond, nearly 30 points at half time. I tipped Richmond. I thought I was a genius. <laughs> and they, they found their way back, right? And then again on the weekend, that first quarter, you know, they were down 26 points with a minute to go when there was a free, very dubious free kick to Sam Reid paid. He kicks the goal. But that shows a pretty great belief amongst the playing group that they don't care how far they're behind. They just keep committing to the contest and working their way back in into the game. And it's, it's their leaders, Parker and Mills yeah. and those guys, that, that keep driving it. So, um, yeah, really, two really, really important wins that have changed the complexion of their season the last two weeks. And as they go into the bye, I mean, we talk about, yes, it's great that they're coming back, but their first quarters, they do need to – that's probably an area of concern. We, we say if it's a one-off, it's not a trend, but they've been terrible – all year, first yep. quarters. They've only won four first quarters in 2022. Yep. So they need to stop that because, again, some of the better sides and, and they're lucky that Melbourne didn't kick more goals in that first term that, you know, that they really put themselves on the back foot from the start. So they need to – that's something that they need to work on. Yeah, and it's a funny year. one. Like I've been involved at clubs that were poor in the first quarter and we – we we change the warm up. Yeah. Um. You know. We we get onto the ground longer. We get on the ground shorter. We play music in the rooms. We do because it's one of those things that it's hard to put a finger on why you come out poorly. And I'm sure they'll be all thinking, you know, about about their own games and everything like that. But there's no doubt it's a trend. There's a reason why. Um. I eventually just decided we get the, the, the boxing mitts out, right? <laughs> and you just hit them so, and then you get hit by the guy, and then like you're you're like, oh, I'm ready to play, like right? Pumped up, so there's ready no to go. excuse not to be ready from the opening contest. But uh, it's horses for courses, very differently. Speaking of horse, yes, you uh, you've got some nice stats on on him and his yeah. coaching career. Oh, look, I wanted to ask you about this because I feel like maybe he's just sort of underrated as a coach. Like we, we always talk about, you know, Alistair Clarkson in the in the modern era has been one of the best coaches we've seen. But what about John Longmire? I mean, 157 wins now, 90 losses, two draws. That's a winning percentage of 63%. If you compare Huge. that with Clarko, Clarko was at 58% um, percent winning percentage. He does have, of course, the four flags. John Longmire's just coached the one premiership. But He's just kept Sydney up there yep. for so long. And we don't really talk about him as yeah. one of the great coaches. Yeah, well, he certainly is. I mean, st- stats like your win-loss ratio percentage, they don't lie. And that is unbelievable. 69%, did you say? 63. 63%, which is, you know, in a in a competition that um, 
you're meant to drop away. Yeah. Oh, that's the whole point of the draft and, and everything. Sydney and Geelong, they're the two sides that have been the most consistent that have have defied the trend and re- refused to bottom out. And um, and they just keep finding these these really good young players. You know, Errol Goulden kicked that big goal late. He, yep. He's a star. Um, you know, they've just got so many good players that come through the ranks. Warner. You, you, yep. The you academy's s- helped a little bit. I mean, that, of course that helps. <laughs> But you've still got to put the time and you effort do, and, um, and development into these guys and um, and get them playing good AFL footy, which is hard. So, yeah, his, his win-loss percentage is great. And unfortunately, in, a, in an era where you've got uh, Richmond, you know, that, that have won three flags and um, there was Brisbane before that, Hawthorne, you do get judged a little bit harshly on, on premierships as a coach sometimes – you can be an unbelievable coach and you don't have the cattle to yeah. actually get you to that next step. But if you if they're playing at their absolute optimum of what they're capable of, that's a sign of a good coach. And I reckon Horse does that consistently. Do you think Sydney are a genuine premiership contender this year? Yeah, you needed a bit of luck with injuries. Um, and I, I think they've got the belief. You know, They've got the, the youth and the experience uh, in there as well. It's a pretty good combination. You need guys like, like Reid playing like he did yeah. last night. He's a bit inconsistent over the journey, you know, Buddy's got to stay upright and, and fit and his best, you know, he can kick a bag. Um, and and the, I think the McCartan boys down back have oh, just been sensational. Goodness. they are so amazing. If, uh, if they can stay healthy and, um, you know, sneak into the top four now, it gives themselves a really good chance. The Melbourne forward line, that's where I hold a little bit of concern and question marks about, the D's moving forward. I want to play some audio of Simon Goodwin, the coach, last night, talking about their connection going inside 50. Yeah, we're not, you know, executing as well as we'd like ahead of the ball. Um, some of the delivery certainly isn't the best at times there. So we've got to work on some connection for the centre. You know, we generated enough turnovers in the game tonight to hit the scoreboard better than what we did. Um, there's no doubt about that. So we'll look at the mix of personnel, but also look at our method within that, you know. Um, as I said, we generated enough turnovers, but I think it was eight goals to, to zip in turnovers. So uh, we need to find a way to execute better going inside 50. So Bailey Fritch, he kicked three goals, and that was pretty much it for the yep. forwards. I had a look at Ben Brown. I mean, he looks like he's struggling. He hasn't kicked a goal in three games now, 15 goals in nine games this season. You had Mitch Brown come in for Tom McDonald, who's having some scans on a foot issue at the moment. Sam Wiedemann played in the VFL. I think he kicked three goals yesterday for Casey, had 10 marks and, and 12 touches as well. But the goals came through you know, Jackson and Gorn, who was yep. incredible. What do you make of their forward setup right now? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, Bailey Fritch will always bob up and kick you two or three. He's yeah. just a, he's just a very smart footballer without a hair out of place. <laughs> yeah, as well. I know how good's the buffon. <laughs> um, the concern for me, and it should be for Simon Goodwin as well, is is Ben Brown is terribly out of form. Mm. Um, you mentioned he hasn't kicked a goal for three weeks. He's hardly touched the pill. Yeah, he had five touches last week. Pierce did a number on him. He's had four touches this week. So you can you cannot kick goals but still contribute, you know, by crashing packs and goal assists and everything. He's not doing that. Yeah. He's he's really out of form. So um, they need to resolve that issue or drop him back to Casey like they did earlier in the year and bring in Wiedemann or just keep rotating that mix and, and try and get it right. 
Yeah, I mean, look, they scored 56 points against Freo last week, then 61 against the Swans at two lowest scores for the season. And last year they were averaging 90 points per game and things were really humming for them. I think, you know, Tom McDonald's obviously a a big one for them being out of that side. Interesting, though, that Mitch Brown is is getting a game ahead of Sam Wiedemann. That really um, intrigues me. And just listening to Simon Goodwin after the game, he basically just said Mitch is playing better than Sam Wiedemann at this point. I mean, Sam's still young and, and starting out, and it takes key forwards a lot longer sometimes to develop. But, I mean, that's a, a pretty big slap in the face for Sam Wiedemann, I'd imagine. Yeah, it'd be disappointing for Sam because, he, you know, he's he's too good for VFL level. I see him play a lot yep. when I commentate the VFL and, and he's a very good player. He, he's had his opportunities this year and, and when he got a game in round three against Essendon, you know, he kicked four goals three and looked, looked sensationally. He kicked three goals against Richmond as well um, in round six. So, his best is is more than good enough at AFL level. Probably just hasn't been able to find that consistency week to week. It's it's a really tough position to play key forward because you're so reliant on yeah. on delivery yep. and you know you, you, quite often you, you come up against the best defender uh, in the opposition. You're getting double team things like that. But you just got to find a way to, to bring the ball to ground. Don't get out marked. Put yourself in in contests long down the line. Work rate is a really big thing and. I'm not sure why Sam Wiedemann's not getting uh, as many games as he should, but th- they might look to to make another change after this week. It might be the week that he comes in. And then Max Gorn. I mean, oh, we can't talk about him enough. Like 28 disposals, 23 of those contested brownie, five clearances, six contested marks, 10 score involvements, three goals, 11 hit outs to advantage. You can go on and yeah. on and on. But that was just a truly great captain's game. And if they had won that game, it would have been off the back of Max Gorn. No doubt. He's becoming one of uh, the game's most reliable set shots yeah. as well. Which <laughs> I know. I can't believe I've just said that. <laughs> you used to just close your eyes and hope when he had a shot, but he's he's worked hard. He on has, that. and um, yeah, he clearly he clearly saw some mismatches. Uh, he, he drifted forward mm. and you know took some marks. And um, best ruckman in the game, you know, by quite a long way, Maxie. So, what about Jared um, Witts? You have him. Oh, look, he's been sensational, and he's probably a bit underrated because he plays for the Suns, yep. and we don't see him as much. He's a bit off Broadway, um, but yeah, Maxie, just he's, the he's ageless, isn't, isn't he? He's, yeah. He keeps getting better, and it's those contested marks around the ground that you know really stand out for Ruckman. You see some Ruckman, great tap Ruckman. Um, you know they follow up and they get a few clearances and everything. You look at their numbers and they they have no marks or one mark. Yeah. Which for big men, if you're marking around the ground, especially those contested, which I think he took six contested yep. marks, that's that's massive. Huge. Huge. Now, we absolutely love Max Gorn here on Sunday Crunch Time. All right, still plenty more to come. We've got two big games of football coming up on your Sunday afternoon. Plus, we will dissect the other games from Saturday, the Suns in North Melbourne and the Crows and the Eagles. And, of course, Friday night, I want to get Brownie's take on Baz Lenker's headbutt. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time. South Australia, perfect for those who want a little more this winter. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camels call Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Great to have your company on this Sunday morning. We've got two 
big games of footy coming up on your Sunday afternoon. The first one, Hawthorne and Collingwood going head-to-head at the MCG. That one to start at 2.10 Eastern Standard Time. And then the big game at Optus Stadium. Looking forward to this one, Brownie. Fremantle and Brisbane going head-to-head. Yeah, it should be an absolute cracker, shouldn't it? And uh, and we saw the... um well, the unusual scenes of, of Nat Fife getting uh, mobbed at the Waffle on the that weekend. That was hilarious. It was, wasn't it? It's... He was signing autographs at three-quarter time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not sure whether you'd be upset as a coach or happy because you know, he's such a nice guy. <laughs> but you'd know. be like, hey, mate, we've got a game to play. It's the last quarter. But yeah, I can't remember seeing scenes like that for a long time. It was incredible. It's so good. That's what you love about local footy too, that you can run onto the ground, have a kick after the game. And yeah. the fans were just getting around him. I think there was just under 3,000 people there yep. to watch that game. And they came from behind Peel Thunder, I believe, and yeah, 24 and, touches, I think. And he will be um, he'll be just such a welcome addition to, to Fremantle, who are already going along beautifully. And I wouldn't even bother – messing with their, their midfield structure at the moment. I just plan him in the forward line, ease him back in, because he could still bob up and kick, you know, two, three goals he a, could. a week as Although a forward. Although I did watch his highlights package that was on afl.com.au. He had, I think, three set shots. Missed them all. Terrible. It's the only <laughs> One just came off the side it? of the boot, and I think Josh Tracy actually marked it. And was he like, should ring Maxi Gorn <laughs> yeah. and say, mate, what have you done? What's the magic potion? <laughs> because uh, you can turn it around. And that's probably the only knock on his on his unbelievable game, oh. isn't it? He doesn't. He doesn't finish off his good work. Nah, by but what a luxury for Fremantle to have it's him good, coming back into the side, and he'll probably come back uh, against Hawthorne next week. But obviously, the Fremantle Dockers have a big game against Brisbane Lions. Just speaking of players doing well in the in the reserves, a shout out to Reese Matheson, the beast, not getting the game with the Brisbane Lions at the moment. He had forty nine touches and nineteen clearances wow. in the VFL yesterday. Yeah, it's not a bad day out from the barometer, <laughs> is it? Nineteen. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. It's just crazy. He's probably too good for the VFL as well. But that Brisbane Lions side is absolutely uh, stocked for talent. Now, I do want to chat a little bit about uh, a couple of games that happened yesterday afternoon. They weren't, I guess, the the games that you'd be circling in the calendar to sit down and watch on the couch. But, I mean... The Gold Coast Suns just keep marching on. They're 6-6 six and six now. Their fourth win in five matches. They're now just outside the top eight on percentage only. And for North Melbourne, it was unfortunately their 10th loss in a row. But the Suns are just flying at the moment, your old side. Yeah, they're, they're playing a really good brand of footy. And, um, you know, it's great to see because uh, for, for far too long they've they haven't been – living up to the expectation yeah. of, of the footy public, I think. And, um, you know, they've got some real belief in that that side. Now, I think Took Miller, who played his 150th game last night, is just an unbelievable leader. He's probably the best man on the ground. Um, but you've got a lot of players now that that really buy into to the brand of, of Suns football. And, you know, Benny Ainsworth, Dave Swallow always has. But real competitors like Holman, um, Matty Rao probably hasn't got to – the level that we thought, but he's, but he's he, still... he was good. He looked like he had a real impact yesterday, I thought. Yeah. 25 touches, 17 contested, 11 tackles as well. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, um, you know, the tough conditions up, up there in Darwin and uh, and they, they completely dominated Hawthorne the week before and and, uh, and then again on the weekend. I, I had to send a message to, um, to Joshy Kay because I know that the Suns had 
81 inside 50s. They did. 81 to 36. So they were plus 45. Crazy. Now, the margin of 62 points probably flattered North Melbourne in mm. the end. I know they were competitive, but you cannot concede 81 inside 50s. I wanted to know where that sat on the all-time list. Oh, yeah? All-time. What do you got? So it's equal third. Wow. Ever recorded by champion data. The most was back in 2018 when Melbourne played the Gold Coast, and that was 83. North Melbourne and GWS in their early days back in 2012 yep. was 83. And then you have last night's game, wow. 81 inside 50. I so mean, it's, it was nearly record-breaking territory. Well, it was. It was a club record for the Suns. They'd never had that many inside 50s in their history. In that second term alone, and because the Roos actually started really well, they led by 17 points at, at quarter time. But that second term, the Suns had 28 inside 50s and they kicked seven goals, seven. Yeah. I mean, you just can't let that happen. <laughs> like For me and North Melbourne, like you saw them against Melbourne, they brought the heat early. And then again, and the Suns, they started really well. Their pressure was good. But then they just drop off again. And I know that that's common with young yep. sides, but they were just so far and away, those two quarters. Fatigue and, and consistency are the two things that uh, when they kick in, one go, when fatigue kicks in, consistency goes. And it's, it's consistency of effort. It's consistency of your mindset of, of what to do. You know, at stoppages and in certain times of the game. And, and when that goes, and I've played in plenty of games where we lost by 100 points at Hawthorne and the Gold Coast, you, you do start feeling a bit helpless out there. Yep. And when you start feeling helpless, you go into your shell and you just start thinking about your own game. Okay, I'm going to play on my man. And you don't play with that reckless abandon of run and carry and create and take on because, because you, you're fatigued and you're not sure what your teammates are going to do around you. And I think that's where North Melbourne are at the moment. Like, the start of the game, you should be up for the contest. Yeah. You kick a couple of goals, the adrenaline, the energy's going. But then when it falls away, you, you just have to find a, a response from the group to stem the bleeding just for that period of time. Yep. And then what happens is your 70-point losses become 40, and you get a bit more mature, and, and then they become 20 and all of a sudden, you know, you, you can wrestle that momentum back in games. And at the moment, they just they can't do that. Yeah. So that's the that's the biggest thing that the North Melbourne coaching staff need to address. Yes, there's there's youth and young players and everything, but every every club has a lot of young players out there. It's when the when the wheels fall off, they just completely fall off. This is uh, Coach David Noble after the loss yesterday in Darwin. Yeah, really disappointing, Riley. The you know the the lack of response when a team you know challenges us at the moment is a real task that we've got at hand. Um, you know, we always thought it was going to be a territory battle tonight, just because of the conditions. We handled that really well in the first, and we didn't handle that very well in the second. So, um, thought there was a bit of lack of discipline around our stoppages and in defence. You know, just giving the opposition uh, the opposition first look at the ball. So, that's something that we we'll, we tried to address at half time. We were better. You know, we were better. We didn't capitalise and eat into that lead. And then the last quarter, we, you know, we just couldn't mount a charge at all. Is that the overwhelming frustration at the moment in terms yeah. of this season that it can go yeah. like that really yeah. down? Very much so. And, you know, we, we feel for our fans in, in their support of, you know, of us as well um, in that we can do it for a bit and it's just not good enough. You know, it's, that's the frustrating level. It's, it's there. Um, we know that we've got more in us, um, but they don't deliver it. And look, you know, that, that's the game. Teams challenge you, you've got to be able to respond. We get control. When we do that, we're not too bad. 
Um, it's our, as you said, our best result in the first quarter, inside 50s, went a bit more direct. Um, you know, the conditions tonight help you in the sense that you don't handle the ball too much and you play a little bit more direct, so that played into our hands a bit and then, yeah, we didn't respond. I, I promise I hadn't heard that audio. But right, you're so, spot on. Yeah, well, well, that's that was my assessment of the game, and clearly, you know, the uh, the North Melbourne coaching staff are, are right across it. Yep. Because he almost replicated what I just said then. Oh, so what are you trying to say that you should be an <laughs> AFL coach and that you're a genius? Hey, I I wouldn't put that much pressure on myself. It's not worth it. <laughs> but I mean, uh, look. If you had to, uh, it's, it's, I always find this an interesting conversation. I've just been asking people randomly. If you had to pick between West Coast list and North Melbourne right now, which team would oh, you North rather coach? North any day of the week. Yeah. Oh, just because of the youth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of upside there at North Melbourne that, that we're seeing already. And I, I think West Coast Eagles, they've been the biggest disappointment of the season. Like, I went into this year thinking that North would win the wooden spoon. Whether that was three wins or four wins, I thought they were going to be last on the ladder. Yeah. I went into this season thinking the West Coast Eagles would maybe push for top eight. We, you know, with but they have stars still correct. on their list, and they are not. They are not. I mean, they they tried on the weekend, but but you, I've looked at some games this year and said these guys aren't aren't competing. But they're senior players too with West Coast. Like yesterday, they made just basic skill errors, like Tim Kelly just kicking out on the full under no pressure whatsoever. Yeah. And I know I don't think we can. Um, you know, I don't think we really know the impact that COVID has actually had on that group in terms from a, a fitness perspective. I mean, I had COVID like in the last week and I could barely walk up the stairs and I'm not an elite athlete, but imagine what that does to the playing group. I think over 20 players, nearly, a, you know, a half their list has had COVID. Um, They've had really bad injuries. So I think after the bye, they could even get back seven players. So Willie Rioli, Liam Ryan, Elliot Yo, yeah. Dom Sheed. I mean, Yo and Sheed played in the waffle again yesterday and, and did all right. But they've all had injury issues yeah, as well. They, they lose McGovern before the game yesterday, which yeah. had a, a huge impact. So I just think that they haven't had all the parts there. Yeah, no, that's fair. But when you look at future, the next sort of – 12 months to three years, yeah. North Melbourne certainly has No, no doubt. Talent. Because you'd think this is Josh Kennedy's last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's kicked 16 goals this year. And he's been okay, but... Um, he's probably yeah. wishing he'd retired. Yeah. yeah. And, and um, you know, Luke Shuey's you know, had some soft tissue injuries now yeah. for multiple years. Yep. He's he's starting to age. Nick Natanui, you know, how, how long do you, can he play for? So you're right. There's a, a heap of... Shannon Hearn will probably... I mean, he's playing well, but... Yeah. You got to make a tough call on yep. a, a couple of these West Coast guys. So you're right; they, they've got a, a fairly old age profile for a, for a side that I thought would be competitive. Yeah, I, I did too. So yeah, especially I agree. on their home deck as well. Like yeah. That's where they've been the most non-competitive. Yeah, at Optus, which used to be their fortress, really. So it is disappointing. They've got the bye this week, and so then hopefully get some players back. But they face Geelong, so it doesn't get any easier. And and quite honestly, I mean, they avoided and. AFL record yesterday. They nearly became the um, the only team in AFL VFL history to have lost eight consecutive games by over fifty really? points, and they avoided that just. Yeah, yesterday. yeah. Well, and that that goes to show that you know that, that's not good enough. I, I think Adam Simpson has, has sort of got away with the scrutiny um, that other coaches would have potentially got, considering what they've dished up this year. And you can blame COVID and things like that, but everyone's been dealing with with COVID at a different level for the last couple of years. And 
Fremantle are, are managing it okay in the same state. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, they've been the, the biggest disappointment this season. Yeah, they certainly have. All right, there's still plenty more to come on Sunday crunch time. As I mentioned off the top, we have two cracking games of football coming your way this afternoon. Hawthorne and Collingwood at the MCG, followed by Fremantle and Brisbane at Optus Stadium later on this afternoon. Some big ins for Hawthorne with Jago O'Meara to come back. And Jack Gunston will touch on that game and more when we welcome him, Josh G. Jenkins after this. You're listening to Crunch Time. South Australia, perfect for those who want a little more this winter. And welcome to Crunch Time. This is the pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the camel's call. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company. If you're just joining us for the first time, it's been Nat Edwards and Campbell Brown for the first hour. And now we welcome in our good friend who's over at the MCG in Josh Jenkins. Morning. Or well, it's actually midday, it so now. not morning anymore. JJ, great to have you with us. Nat, what's happening? We've uh, we've been separated for a little while, but it's good to uh, join forces again and got the brown dog. This is a mini SEN track takeover <laughs> on the main channel. Yes, mate, <laughs> it certainly is. But I have done no form for the uh, for the horses today, <laughs> just the footy. Now uh, it's great good, to good have to you. Hear you both. Uh, it's great to have you with us. How are conditions looking over there at the MCG? We've obviously got two big games coming up this afternoon. Hawthorne and Collingwood followed by Fremantle and the Brisbane Lions at Optus Stadium. But how is the G looking? Uh, it looks uh, it looks beautiful as always. A small scattering of pigeons uh, just assembled in the centre of the ground, just working out what uh, <laughs> what today looks like. But it's pretty, it's it's fairly gloomy. I would imagine we'll we'll. 210, uh, 210 bounce down. I would imagine we'll see the lights uh, not long after that. So it's pretty gloomy. There's a VFL game between Collingwood and Gold Coast going on as I was driving in. So a lot of the Collingwood staff were making their way over. So a um, little blustery, not too bad. Um, it's probably worse, uh, a little bit windier down my way in Geelong. But it's pretty nice here today. It should be, should be sort of no excuses in terms of uh, high marking and straight kicking. So looking forward to a, a big game of footy with hopefully a decent crowd. Now, we're we're a little unsure on what the crowds have been like thus far. A little average last night, uh, I thought. But, yeah, hopefully a few turn up. Big game for two Hawks this afternoon in Liam mm. Shields and Luke Bruce. They're both playing their 250th games together, which is quite ironic considering they're such good mates that they've they've managed to do it on the same round. But uh, they've both been, been stars. They have, mate. And, I mean, you know them. Far better than I would, but in terms of playing against them and, um, you know, Liam Shields, such a diligent guy, you know, would always go to, to the opposition's best Mr. player. And not only, not Yeah, and not only uh, put them away, be really damaging going the other way. Sort of had that mindset of, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be diligent and I'm going to play on you at a stoppage. But you know what? When we've got the ball, there's no reason why I can't go and get involved as well. And Bruce is, is a player I've admired for a, for a long time. He's a very accurate kick for goal. He's got that Pat Patton stiff arm that he's got that no one can seem to. A lot of people talk about Dustin Martin's stiff arm. Well, Luke Bruce got a very good stiff arm running towards goal. So, um, yeah, two guys who have given great service to the to the Hawks, and hopefully the Hawks, uh, the other twenty players or twenty one players, and the and the fans that turn out today can give them 
Um, a day that they'll remember forever. Well, a fun fact, Liam Shields hasn't lost a milestone game yet and I've been talking to a lot of Pies fans this week. They think that Hawthorne is their bogey side because the Hawks have won the four of the last five against them. But Collingwood certainly will be up and about and hopefully the fans get to the MCG, especially after that thrilling win over Carlton last Sunday and hopefully it's a cracking game this afternoon. Now, JJ, I want to talk to you about... Uh, uh, I guess the halfway point of the season, we've had some some teams going into the bye. Brownie and I were discussing off the very top of the show that uh, he spent most of his bye weeks in Byron at Cheeky Monkeys. What, uh, what, what did you do during your bye weeks when you were playing? Um, uh, li- a little less glamorous than that. I, I, would, uh, I would typically just try and get back to Swan Hill and and see the folk up there. See, uh, go and visit grandma and a few of those, uh, a few of those sort of hard-nosed jobs that you don't get to do too often. Yeah, no, uh, heading north to the Sunshine wasn't uh, wasn't on the agenda too often. But um, yeah, it, it is a good time of year for players. They they certainly you know, one to two games out from the bye, you do start to look forward to the bye. Now you've got to be careful with that because you know you still got one, two, three games to go, and you've got to. Stick to uh, stick to your processes and, and do the right thing and ensure that you can perform. But there's no doubt, Brownie, is there that you start to smell the buy, you know, a fortnight or so out, you start making a few plans and you've just got to You've got to dance around the coaches and ensure that uh, that they uh, are not aware of your, your plan making <laughs> a fortnight before the bye starts. Oh, exactly right. Or getting injured just before and having to stay in <laughs> Melbourne and uh, yes. rehabbing. Oh, gosh. You yeah. don't want to have that happen. Um, hey, there's no just there's no uh, there are no corkies uh, reported the 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 game before a bye I can tell you that I was playing uh, the Sydney Swans at Metricon Stadium just before the bye and there was splendour in the grass down in, in oh, down by and yep. I was so pumped to go and I was chasing uh, after a Sydney player and Goodsey was coming the other way. And he lifted his knee right, and corked me, the, the world's biggest cork. And I couldn't walk. Like, I was done for the day. And um, I was abusing Goodsy on the way off as I hobbled off. And I, I knew then and there that, that my split round and splendour in the grass was over. My whole, my whole leg went black and oh. bruising everything. I, I stood in the ice bath for about three days. I was roamable. And we still laugh about it to this day. But it can happen and it's disappointing. Very, very disappointing indeed. Hey, JJ, uh, Brownie and I have already dissected the, the Melbourne-Sydney game, but keen to get your thoughts on last night. And what's your biggest area of concern, I guess, for the Ds? Do you think it's panic stations, that no, two no, losses no. in a row? Do you still have them, I guess, in that echelon by themselves, or have they come back to the pack slightly? Uh, no, I still, I still have them uh, right up the top and right at the top by themselves. Perhaps that gap, you know, I, I think the it was the Ds and then it was a little bit of daylight and then the rest. But perhaps there's probably more importantly, uh, more so than, you know, the rankings and who's potentially ranked where. I think we've just been given a, a couple of templates mm. as to how you want to go about it if you want to knock off the Ds. So we've, we saw Frio do it by suffocating them last week and we saw Sydney do it by... They've got great ball users. They've got young guys who they don't know what they don't know. So they go for kicks and they're not worried about making the mistake. And often that can be the, that can be the thing with, with when you play against a great defensive unit. You're worried about going for kicks because you know that the D's players will be all over it. But 
those young Sydney guys, McInerney and the like, they just went for their kicks last night and, 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 and cut Melbourne up um, a few different times. And I think it highlighted again, as it did last week against Fremantle, although he went out halfway through the game or early in the game, uh, Stephen May, to yeah. me, is easily their most important player. Yeah, he is just so crucial to that side. And poor Harrison Petty, <laughs> he went off a couple of times. He's been bashed around. He copped a knock. He just looked like he was playing very, very sore. Did well to hold up. But as you say, Stephen May is so very important. And the Swans' pressure was excellent too with 75 tackles last night. And Sam Reid led from the front in that regard mm. with 10 of his own. Yeah, it was. Did it was you ever have ten tackles the, uh, as a forward? Hey, no. Nah, well, you haven't done your homework. I actually had thirteen at this very oh, ground. Oh, there you go. Yes. I, I remember. I remember looking up at the scoreboard uh, late in the second quarter and it had had my name up there with eight tackles, and I nearly fell over. I thought there's just there's no way I've had eight tackles in less than a half. But uh, I still. You ask uh, if you ask any of the uh, guys I I work with down at Geelong, I raise that number and that statistic uh, <laughs> about two times every week. <laughs> Excellent, as you should. Uh, so it was 2017 <laughs> round 15 versus the Blues. <laughs> It was, Brown. I don't need to look that up to know that. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm big on accuracy here on SEN, as you know, mate. <laughs> 13 disposals and 13 tackles. It's got a beautiful ring to it. Hey, speaking of your cats, good mm. win on Friday night against the Dogs. Uh, has the narrative shifted with the Cats, do you think? Because I, I don't think we really knew where they stood the last few weeks or the last month of, of footy, but now people are saying, oh, they're guaranteed top four, they're back, they're contenders again. W- what's your feeling? Well, you two tell me because I, I, I've always um, clearly had a, had a an optimistic view of, of the Cats, but... Every man, woman and child has wanted to write them off <laughs> most years, but particularly this year. I think it's probably the year where, where, where experts and pundits have gone the hardest and said that you know the fall would be significant. But I guess, uh, and this is the advantage I have, obviously having a small part-time role, I guess uh, Geelong people were more confident about the rise of De Conning and mm. The emergence of you know Holmes, who has been good before getting injured, and seeing Evans play some games, and seeing Cooper Stevens play some games, so I think there was a little bit more optimism because of the young guys that 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 we knew about, that perhaps and fairly that the external um, uh, viewers didn't know about. So I think no doubt that there's been um, a really a bit of a swing in terms of the, the narrative and and the trajectory that Geelong have and and are looking towards, and I think there are certainly some. There's some some more than winnable games on the on the way home, but you know there's some clashes against the D's and, and the Swans and the, and the like that are going to be huge challenges, and we'll still dictate who's who in the zoo at the end of the year. And danger still to come back as well, Brandy. Where have you seen the Cats, and do you think they are a genuine top four side? Yeah, I, th- I think everyone was was riding off the Cats purely based on on their age um, and their, their, their list profile, yeah. and that's not always the case. Yes, they're an old oldish side, but that gives them great experience. They mm. know their game inside and out. Um, they've always had at, at Geelong, which I think is one of the most important um, aspects of a good club, it, is uh, c- continuity with their coaches, with their leadership yep. group, and nice stability. Um, their last three weeks has been terrific because, you know, they, they, they probably should have knocked off 
the Saints. They were in front, they were controlling, and the Saints came back and beat them. But since then, you know, the wins against um, Port Adelaide were, were solid. You'd expect them to do that. The Adelaide one was workmanlike, mm. and then on the weekend was the big test. And um, as I mentioned, that the fast start was crucial. I still feel, and tell me if I'm wrong here, JJ, I still feel that you need Tomahawk or Jeremy Cameron to kick a bag, a, a four, yep. five, or six to get you across the line against those good sides. Is, is that too harsh on the rest of the forward line? No, I think that's fair because I think you, you, you often rely on your superstars, don't you? You see your, your role players have got specific roles, whether that be putting pressure on or tackling or you know locking down a, a, an opposition forward or um, you know locking down an intercept uh, defender as a, as a defensive forward. I think um, the, and the, and the club and, and the coaching staff, uh, you know, Chris and... Nigel Lappin and James Kelly have identified that, you know, play to your weapons and play a little bit faster and use and utilise and give Jeremy and Tom the best opportunity to be that match-winning presence. And, and we've seen there aren't many teams who can, who can counter both of them and there aren't many teams who have got two genuine All-Australian uh, Coleman medal-winning uh, forwards. So, you know, if, if, if one is held, if... You know, if Hawkins is well held, then, you know, you'd expect that Cameron can still get off the chain. So just because Hawkins might be having a um, a quiet day, whereas in the past you might identify that and play a little bit slower, you've still got another forward in Cameron who, who can still get off the chain. And not only that, it therefore it's a ripple effect. You know, Rowan gets the next level defender and um, these other guys, you know, get the, 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 the uh, fourth, fifth and sixth defenders. So it helps them and their game as well. So... Certainly, um, I'd agree that, that the games that the Cats have won, one of Hawkins or Cameron, if not both, have had a massive impact in the game. But um, I think that's probably just the, the way it's going to be. You need to rely on your star players to play well to, to have a chance in the big games. And I know you've always got to get your balance right between sort of offence and defence, but I, I feel like Geelong need to do that more than any other club because of their perceived lack of leg speed through the midfield. They had to be a bit careful on Friday night that, yes, they wanted to go quick and, and get the ball in one-on-one, open the game up for Cameron and, and Hawkins. But mm. on the flip side, the doggies who can spread and run and Bailey Smith and these guys are, are, are pretty good, you know, quick runners. Yep. They can hurt you on the outside the other way. So, you know, that balance is always spoken about through the midfield. But um, at the catch, is it spoken about more? You just, you, you've got to make sure you get it right. Yeah, I think you've got to really um, be quite cagey with, you know, a fast play is not always a good play. Yep. You, as you mentioned, you can kick it uh, inside 50 quickly to Hawkins and his opponent, but it's, it's you know, okay, if Hawkins, we want to give him a great chance or we want to give Cameron or Rowan a great opportunity, but if they don't mark it, how many of the next three or four bodies back are going to be from the opposition? So, you know, if you don't mark it, it's 4v2 against on the ground and all of a sudden you're having to, to defend a slingshot attack from the other end of the ground. So there's always a balance to it. I think what, what's been identified by, by everyone, not just you know, those within Geelong, is when the midfield can, can break even or, or, or gain a little bit of ascendancy, then Cameron and Hawkins and those types really come to the fore. It's when you're down 10 or 15 or 20 
um, in the contested possession and the clearance, that's when it makes life tough because you do have to defend and, and transition the ball all the way and then it becomes a bit more of a running game and um, no doubt the running games uh, are not as suited to the Cats as they are to some of the other teams. Sam DeConning, we absolutely love him. The NAB AFL Rising Star nomination then backed it up doing an excellent job on Aaron Norton. Now, there was an article posted on Facebook. It was, I think it's a long Addy article. And someone has commented on there, he's a matchstick, got pushed out of the way way <laughs> too easily. And then Sam's mum has gone back at the person on Facebook and written 204 centimetres and 102 kilos is not a matchstick. Watch out. I absolutely love that from <laughs> his mum. But you told a great story, JJ, during the week of, of what, um, Sam was actually like when he first came to the club, and your view was that he was a bit of a, a smart aleck. He was um, a little bit of an irritant when he uh, <laughs> when he arrived. So he's he's one of ten kids. Oh god! And I believe I'd have to check, but I believe he's one of the younger or youngest. And yep. I'd imagine Brownie, when you're one of ten and you're the youngest, Ooh. if you don't have a big mouth, you don't get fed, you don't get any food, <laughs> you don't get any clothes. Yeah. So he was. Um, he was one. He was, he, to be to be honest, he's one of that the, the the new generation where you don't you know to even you know when I started and even probably more so when you started Brownie, you just do what exactly what you're told when you get to the footy club. You don't ask any questions. You don't give any cheek back. You don't say anything. But these young guys and Sam was certainly of that mould. They they want to know why we're doing things. They want to know whether we can do it in a different manner. And he was like that. But um, you know, once you play with him for a little while, he played forward. Um, we played it forward alongside each other in the VFL a few times and uh, and we did a lot of work together um, with plenty of the other young guys as well in, in the hub when we weren't playing. And I think you just sort of, you know, you, 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 you learn a little bit more about each other. You get to know each other a little bit more. You learn about the backgrounds and those sorts of things. And, and all of a sudden... Um, uh, here, he, here he is. I mean, to everyone else, it sort of seems like he's jumped out of the box, but uh, it's been a really, really, not slow, but a steady build to this point for Big Sammy. JJ, this will be the hardest question anyone asks you for the week. <laughs> if you are the NAB Rising Star selectors right now, Ooh. right now, and you had oh, to boy. choose, so you've got Rochelle, who's just dominated up at uh, up the forward line for the Crows. Mm-hmm. you got Big Duke Newcomb, John Newcomb for the, mm. the Hawks, He's who's been good. Pick. Nick Dacos, who's just oh, what a surprise! <laughs> effortlessly slid into uh, the midfield there at the Pies and, and he's doing mm-hmm. some nice things. Um, Jake Bowie, who's nominated mm-hmm. for the second time, who's you know won 18 games straight. You've got Horn Francis, who's the number one draft pick that you know, probably we haven't spoke about yeah. as, Kicked a nice as much. Goal yesterday. And De Koning. Just to name a few, that's not to disrespect anyone else that's been nominated. That is a fantastic list of young players. Who do you lean towards right Ooh. now? I'll give you a – I can do better than a, a pick. I'm going to give you a, a podium, three, two, and one. Oh. Okay. Uh, I I am actually – I, I lo- did you mention Jack Ginnivan? No. I, see, I didn't Jack even mention Jack G, Nick Martin. So, yeah. I, I like Jack Ginevan. I'm hopeful um, that he can continue to kick goals and ignite. I loved what not, he's not done today. thus far. So bronze medal for him, or yes, bronze yeah. medal. Uh, I'm going to give the silver to to Nick Martin. Has come from absolutely nowhere. Twenty twenty seven and five snags on debut in yep. a side that lost by ten goals. Mm. Yep, and he's continued to be uh, the. Well, he and Peter Wright have been about the only shining lights for Essendon. All season long, and I'm giving the uh, gold, the title, to my man who 
Gary Lyon identified at 100 to 1 about a month or six weeks ago uh, that he was 100 to 1 with the bookies. He's now $5.50. Sam DeConning. Wow. Key defender taking on the best forwards in the game. And I don't know whether you saw the stat sheet the other night, but the astronaut only kicked the solitary goal. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I mean, he did L- Late in the last job. quarter too, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. It so. was. No giant Newcomb on that podium. Well, it's nah, a tough the mid- podium. Run, it's not, it's not that hard to run around and get 25 touches in the midfield. It's just not that hard. <laughs> Pies fans will be up and have their hands up in the air too. Nick well, Dacos has been brilliant. Well, great young talent <laughs> we've got through, you know what I mean? Like... It, uh, yeah, we've got a really good we've got a really good group. The only thing easier than running around in the midfield and getting twenty five is doing it at half back, which is where Dacos is. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is true. Did you know twenty five is the most touches I ever had? I had it once. That's it. Twenty five. Yep. You didn't take enough kickouts, Brownie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wasn't allowed to kick out, mate. I wasn't allowed to kick <laughs> at, at all. Did you have to be managed the week after? He couldn't believe it. They, he said to me, Clark, I said to me, mate, uh, well, well done on, on your performance today, but we don't want you getting 25 <laughs> touches on the halfback line. <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> Actually, Brownie, I want to talk to you about something because in that game on Friday night, we had uh, an incident between Bailey Smith and, and Zach Tui, and, and Bailey Smith has now been suspended for two games or he's been handed that by the match review, whether the Bulldogs challenge and take this to the tribunal uh, is yet to to be seen. But if he does accept the ban, he'll miss against GWS and Hawthorne after the bye. You were part of an incident where there was a headbutt. If we go back to 20, what, 2010? 2010. Yeah, my 150th. Yep. Dan Jackson, yep. Richmond player, was uh, suspended for three games for headbutting you. And you tried to say that it was all just a little bit of fun. Yeah, I, I bet you when you started that that um, chat, JJ was thinking I was involved in an incident. I wouldn't have been <laughs> yeah. on the receiving no. end of it. So <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, I remember that game vividly. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd put a bump on... Dan Jackson, uh, if you, it was play on at the time. In fact, everyone lauded and saying how good it was. If you did it right now, you'd get a couple of weeks yeah. suspension, no doubt. But um, he, I did walk past him and sort of say, "Get up." Um, and a few other words. <laughs> and uh, when he did eventually get up, uh, he was less than impressed, and we, we sort of came to blows. Not blows, but he threw his his head in a very similar manner to Bailey Smith and. Um, I didn't think there was much in it, but he got reported and, and ended up getting rubbed out for three weeks because of the loading and everything. So um, that's probably the last great headbutt in the AFL until Friday night. I'm going to put on two hats here. I'm going to put on the MRO. Um, the Michael Christian hat. Football manager hat. Mm. And I'm going to say, Bailey, that was a silly incident. It was preventable. Um, take the two weeks. You clearly headbutted him. We're not going to try and plead this out. Um, try to be more disciplined. And then I'm going to put on my brand social media hat and I'm going to say, uh, completely outside of football, I'm going to go, geez, this is good for your brand because not only are you a great looking man, oh, we can sell that, now you're a badass. You've got a, you've got a tough, hard edge about you and we can use this for likes. I suppose that's what they do, isn't it? Don't so, you use your Instagram yeah, commercial for uh, endorsements? <laughs> Don't you reckon for commercially for for the for brand Bailey, it's not a bad thing, right? Because a lot of of the good looking footballers, you know, the pretty boys and all that, that back in the day, <laughs> Hawthorne used to lead the charge in men for all seasons, right? Um, they weren't renowned for being hard, tough. Bailey Smith is. He puts his head over the yep. footy. He's happy to stand under a high ball. He gut runs and. 
Now he's just a little bit mischievous. Well, JJ, I'm not sure that uh, Bevo would say it was good for his brand if he misses against GWS and Hawthorne. Do you think two weeks was about right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was uh, it was hard to see what was happening with uh, all that blonde hair swishing all <laughs> over the place. But, yeah, I, I think it probably was. Uh, be surprised. I mean, they might challenge it, but you'd be surprised. It does cost them ten grand out of the soft cap, which they, uh, which they risk if they don't have that decision overturned. So I'd imagine it seems uh, relatively fair. I've only seen it a few times. I haven't sort of worried about watching it too closely because it kind of is what it is. But yeah, I'd imagine headbutting, well, I wouldn't imagine. Headbutting is definitely something like punching last mm. week that mm. we want to eliminate and stamp out of the game. Headbutting's not uh, not ideal. And, when, and, and this is not Bailey's fault by any stretch of the imagination, but he is an incredibly popular player. One of the Three, four, or five most popular and probably most well-known faces in the game. We don't need uh, youngsters replicating uh, those sorts of actions, which again is not Bailey's fault. But you know, kids, uh, kids will do as they see. That, and it will be his first suspension in his four years yeah, at AFL level. He's got a good record. Now, Liverpool kiss. It was, it was out of character. <laughs> no, for him. it was. It was, and um, and he, I think two weeks is right. You can't even say that you didn't make contact because of that little bit of claret. Yeah. Um, you know, that came up immediately uh, on, on the forehead of Zach, um, well, Zach Tui. Well, the Zach only Tui. way they could, yep. um, I guess, argue it is down from meat because it was a judged intentional high contact, medium impact. So if you got medium impact down to light impact potentially because uh, Michael Walters had his one-game ban overturned by the tribunal back in 2019 for headbutting Melbourne's Jay Lockhart and they argued that it was light contact that was made and, and it was incidental rather than intentional. But mm. I don't think you could argue in this case that it was um, incidental contact mm. rather than intentional. So we look to see what the Bulldogs do during the week. But uh, they've got some serious issues, the doggies. I mean, they could very well miss finals. I know we're at the halfway mark of the season. They've got a tough run at home. The moment. Yes, yeah. they have a very, very tough run at the moment. And they've only beaten one top eight side, and that was Sydney. Yeah, there's, there's just a couple of performances. that They lost to Adelaide by a point down in Ballarat. You know, that, that hurt them. And um, I reckon on the weekend, you know, they would have been pencilling in that, that win on Friday night. And a couple of games there they've dropped that they shouldn't have. And now they've put themselves in a precarious position. Yeah, they have indeed the Western Bulldogs. All right, a couple of big games coming up this Sunday afternoon. Hawthorne and Collingwood at the MCG, a 2.10 start Eastern Standard Time. And then Fremantle and the Brisbane Lions to follow that at Optus Stadium. It's going to be a cracking day here in Melbourne. Keep listening. We'll be back with more Sunday Crunch Time right after this. You're listening to Crunch Time. South Australia, perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Enjoying Crunch Time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Josh Jeans joins us for Dabble as he does every single Sunday. Welcome, Josh. How are you this morning? Yeah, doing very well, Browning yourself. I know you're up to your 50,000 followers, so you're killing it on Dabble at the moment. Yeah, plugging away. I wouldn't mind a few more winners, mate, to be honest. Hey, how's the sleep patterns going now? You've just had a little one over the weekend. You're getting much sleep? 
Uh, no sleep at all. We've got two under two, so it's going to be <laughs> going to be a pretty busy household, I reckon. So yeah, mate, you are in to the come trenches. Over and give us a hand. You are in the trenches, <laughs> that is for sure, mate. Um, some big uh, some big games uh, happening over the weekend. Um, you yep. were occupied watching the Crows and the Eagles game. What you what you think of that? They they were competitive at least. The Eagles. Well, competitive, that's right. I mean, I don't know how much better we're going to get. You know, maybe a new draft pick, number one again, later in the year would be all right. We could sort of uh, hopefully get some off-season trades, but who knows? I think we've got a long way to go. But uh, the crunch time team, we're doing pretty well until the Demons just fell over the line again, unfortunately. So, missed out there. Today, though, you've backed your boys, the Hawks and the Fremantle Dockers. What are you liking? That's the crunch time bet. Do you like that one? Yeah, I think the the Hawks are up against it today. But in saying that, I haven't been able to catch the Hawks all year. I thought they'd lose to Brisbane. I thought they'd beat the Suns. So whatever I think, the opposite. So I think that's a good bet. (laughs) Throw throw them in the multi. Well, that's the thing, you know. This is the thing about dabble, you know. You don't have to be too sure. You just have to click the copy button. It's a bit like my high schooling years of just copy-paste, you know. You just collect the best work and pass it off as your own, which is great. Uh, and also, I know I'm on the wrong crunch time team at the moment, but I don't know if you fancy the state of origin because we've got some great markets up for that happening as well. I absolutely love the state of origin. Surely after New South Wales decimated Queensland in the first two games of last year that they'll be able to back that up. Well, a bit of money coming for the Queenslanders and, uh, of course, a couple of options to click and copy bets from our ambassadors through New South Wales and Queensland are still trying to get JJ on there to share some uh, trots tips as well. But you can uh, check it all out. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. Beautiful, Josh. Well, that's dabble. Plagiarism is a good thing for dabble. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> good on you, mate. Well, there you go. Living life. See have you guys. Have a good weekend. Cheers. Josh Jeans there for Dabble. Our experts today are here for Buy My Stock at Excess Stock. Visit buymystock.com.au. Campbell Brown and Josh Jenkins alongside myself, Nat Edwards, as we count down to the Hawthorne-Collingwood game at the MCG. We can just hear the siren going on yes, in the well, background, what about, have, JJ. Have you, just going to uh, switch sports. Are you two watching the uh, main event channel at the moment? Have you got that? No, we no, do no, we don't have big, that in it. Big bad Jonathan Brown has just escorted Jason Maloney to the red corner for one of the undercard fights. He's holding the Australian flag out and he hasn't moved. He's got the fight face on. He means business out your man, JB. JJ, we did a podcast during the week and he insinuated that he was coming out for the main event. You're telling me he's walked out with Maloney. Undercard. He's out with young Jason Maloney. Uh, He's out there with and uh, there's about... Well, there's 70,000 seats in the house at Marvel for today's fight, and I reckon 25 of them are filled at the moment. So he's Gee. definitely involved in the undercard. He's pulled the wool over my <laughs> eyes. I thought he was going to be rolling uh, rolling with Cabosa or well, whatever his name is. I was wondering who Cambosis was going to roll out with because uh, the other guy's got Dame Dollar, Damian Lillard in the house. So yeah. uh, we need to lift our game. You, you do. And Don't Dame- worry, Cam Luke was, has been tagging him since Friday night. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was supposed to be in a box with Dame Lillard, uh, ESPN's box really? on Friday night, and then I had COVID and I couldn't bloody go. He didn't need oh, security. Cam no. Luke was uh, was all over him like a rash. Ah, <laughs> oh, very very disappointing. Hey, we should talk some some footy, and, and there is a big game later this afternoon. Uh, Fremantle and the Brisbane Lions. Looking forward to this one. Obviously, second versus third. Big ins 
Well, a big in for the Brisbane Lions in Hugh McCluggage. Unfortunately, Callum Archie is the one that has gone out of the side for Fremantle. Some big outs. Matt Tabner's out with a back issue. Michael Walters has a hamstring, as does Heath Chapman coming into the side. Ethan Hughes and Lloyd Meek. JJ, your thoughts on this mm. game? Because it's a toss of the coin for mine who wins this game. The Lions have a good record against the Dockers, but uh, Fremantle will be uh, very much uh, running high after that win over the Ds last week. Well, what I love about this game, and I've been trying to push this narrative for a week or two, uh, this is the ultimate test of defence or defence in the AFL (laughs) versus attack. Yes. Offence versus defence. So I've got some numbers here from... uh, from Friday that we uh, went through on the run home. Brisbane Lions, number one in the AFL for goals, number two mm-hmm. for marks inside 50, number one for contested marks, number three for total inside 50s, and the best clearance team in the game, meaning the ball is in their half more often. That is now going to come up against Fremantle's uh, number 17th ranked rebound 50s. Now, that sounds like a strange stat, or they average the second worst rebound 50s. That's because it never gets in there. That's why they're low on the rebound 50s because they never let the ball get inside their defensive 50. They're number two for tackles inside their own 50. Why is that relevant? It's because that's the first line of their Mm. team defence. They tackle hard inside their forward 50. They're the third best intercepting team in the game and they are easily number one for scores conceded. So they're the hardest team to score against in the AFL. So this is the old-fashioned Brownie. I'm keen to get your views because I'm pushing. Every coach in the AFL says it has to be defence, defence, (laughs) <laughs> and contest, daylight, 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 and then attack. Why can't someone say we are going to base our game off being high-scoring, high-octane, high-powered like the Brisbane Lions? I want to see the Lions put on an offensive clinic. Yeah, Lions. it's an interesting one. I, th- I suppose the perception around that is it might not hold up in tough, contested final situations. So you want to make it make the way they play regularly like that. But uh, the Lions... <laughs> They certainly can score. Um, They can get scored against heavily. Hey, the interesting one for me here is Griffin Loke played as a forward last Mm. week against Melbourne. Did a a really good job. He didn't hit the scoreboard as much as he would have liked. But you've got Heath Chapman out and you've got Matty Taberner out. So where do you throw Griffin Loke or do you just make him a swing man? Yeah, that's a very, very good call, um, Brownie. They've got, I mean, you should never even really bother reading the... Uh, the the lineups in the newspaper <laughs> or when they're selected, but t- looking at their forward six, they've got uh, Tucker a small, Brody a midfielder, Collier a small, Mundy a midfielder who could probably pinch hit, Schultz a small forward, and Lobb as their primary t- uh, key target who has to pinch hit in the ruck. Yeah, uh, Tracy is a big. He's been the forward who's come in and replaced. Guys, when, when Tabiner was out, Tracy was in. But he's an emergency, so he's not listed to play. Yeah, so, and he played in the um, waffle yesterday. I think I think they're going to use Lloyd Meek. The sec- so they've got two rucks. I reckon Lloyd Meek will play in the ruck a little bit more. And I think you might see Luke, uh, Sean Darcy, who's a very, very fine player, a very fine ruckman. I think you might see Sean Darcy sort of plonk himself as a bit of a target forward, a bit of a pivot forward. And, and, and then try and get a couple of catches from him inside forward 50. Because you are right, they, they don't have a lot else to kick to. But you'd be, I know it worked last week. It's very different being a defender, Brownie, who goes forward you know, in game. You can't plan for that. But yeah. when, when teams can plan for you and work out how to play against you, it can be a lot harder. So I would imagine Logue will be needed down back against the Lions' bevy of uh, gun forwards. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating game. Hugh McClug has just done well to only miss one week with that oh. hamstring. It looked like 
he'd done a proper job on it. So um, he'd be uh, be wrapped to be back and get through that uh, midfield wing position. No, nah, and the other thing, and you mentioned too, obviously the Lions attack, but the goals can come from anywhere. It's not just oh. the tools. But then you've got Zach Bailey who chimes in and then Hugh McCluggage comes back and decide, but he's improved his goal kicking um, in particular as well. Um, Lockie Neal is the other one. Like, do you tag Lockie Neal? Is you know, what What are your thoughts on tagging? I think he's untaggable, to be honest with you. Um, Hawthorne put some work into him, and he only ended up with 25 touches. Yeah. But didn't have the it, same it impact. It took to the fourth quarter, though, yeah. before they did that. They were more concerned about Hugh McCluggage. Um, I, I still believe a good tagger is really important. I know some clubs get so stubborn and single-minded. They say, no, we're going to play to our structure and, and things like that. But um, I thought one of the the ways that the Dockers won last week was by sending James Aish onto Clayton Oliver. Yep. So it's a good string to be able to pull mid-game. Um, I wouldn't tag Lockie Neal to uh, to start with. I'd just sort of get going and try and win the battle without him. But you always know that you, you can got someone that can go to him. What do you reckon, JJ? Yeah, I agree. I think um, back your system in, but have a plan B. You've got to have a plan B for... And, and not be so stubborn as to not want to go to that plan B. We see teams just refuse to change the way they want to go about it, even though an opposition midfielder is cutting them up. So, yeah, I think you've got to have a have a plan B, no doubt. And just on your point, Nat, about the goal-scoring power for mm. Brisbane. So they've got, in my view, six guys who can kick a four or a five yeah. on any given occasion. Scary. So Bailey has done it. Rayner, I think, is capable, yep. uh, probably given 12 to 18 months off the back of that ACL. Hipwood's done it, McCarthy's done it, McStay's done it, and Cameron's done it. And Danaher will hopefully return. So they may have seven in their lineup who are, who are capable. Talk about Geelong having two big forwards. Well, Brisbane have got sort of six or seven mm. different forwards who are all capable of kicking a bag of goals. They are actually very, very scary indeed when you look at Brisbane's forward line and what it might look like in the next three to four weeks when Joe Danaher comes back into it. All right, stay with us on Sunday Crunch Time. We're going to chat to Hawthorne assistant coach David Hale on the other side of this break. You're listening to Crunch Time. South Australia, perfect for those who want a little more this winter. to Crunch Time thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, Nat Edwards, Campbell Brown and Josh Jenkins with you as we count down to the Hawthorne and Collingwood game at the MCG. A big day for two Hawks in particular. Best buddies and Hawthorne Premiership teammates Luke Bruce and Liam Shields will share a well-deserved 250-game milestone this week. Don't forget to check it out in the AFL record this week sharing the spotlight. There's a nice little article there in the AFL record. We are now joined, though, by Hawthorne assistant coach and also a three-time premiership Hawk in David Hale. David, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks for having me. Uh, Just talk us through, I guess, the recovery after coming back from Darwin and and the fallout after what probably was a a very disappointing game for the club. Yeah, football-wise, it uh, it was a disappointing result. We didn't get many facets of our game going last week at all, and full credit to Gold Coast. They uh, took away 
uh, a lot of our, our strengths and um, yeah, unfortunately it wasn't a good result on the field. We spent a couple of days in the community up there which is good for our guys to see uh, how, they, how they live up there and be able to touch base with a few more supporters up there. So uh, it wasn't all doom and gloom, we got a few uh, positives out of it. What's been the focus on the on the track this week? And you get a couple of um, handy players back, Jager being one, and also Jack Gunston. Yeah, getting back to our brand of footy. Obviously, our ability to transition the ball has been a strength most of the year. Our contest inside continues to improve, and obviously having a ruckman back this week should help uh, our ability around the ball. Uh, and obviously, Gunston coming back in in the front half gives a little bit more potency as well. I was going to mention that, Haley, uh, Ned Reeves. Um, <laughs> Not a, not a huge name in terms of experience for the Hawks, but probably structure-wise as important as anyone coming back in because, you know, Cameron and Cox are, are both, you know, pretty good ruckmen and, uh, and at least you'll have a big man in there that can compete. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think uh, 10 games into his career, he became one of our most important <laughs> players, Brownie. So, uh, always also when you've got someone who's above uh, 185 centimetres rucking. So, uh, no, he was, he was in really good form before he went out, uh, I think round five against Geelong. So, really confident in his ability to get his hand on the ball and at least give us um, a crack inside. And uh, structurally, yeah, he definitely, he definitely helps us straighten us up. So, um, he'll come back in and uh, we expect him to, to do what he did uh, previously as the, uh, earlier in the year. Good luck this afternoon, David. Josh Jenkins uh, here. Um, a huge club for a huge game for your club with two of your great stalwarts and great veterans and premiership stars both playing the 250th game. Yeah, both both great players. Obviously, anyone to get to, to 250 games is a great achievement and they're obviously different players in the way they go about it. Punky's a bit more uh, the classy stuff in the front half and um, Liam's just done worked hard and really resilient and done a role for most of the year. Most of his uh, career as a hard and inside midfielder so um, I mean to play 250 games uh, for anyone's a great achievement but for two guys like themselves have been really good mates for a long time to play it on the same stage is uh, yeah, pretty rare so I'm sure they're both really eager to uh, get out there. What have you made of, of your performances thus far or basically just ticking across the halfway point in the season you've had some, some really um, potent and, and powerful wins you've had some games where no doubt you would have been really disappointed watching it back on the tape how have you as a coaching group assessed um, you know your performance. You've had some violent sort of uh, swings in games, but how, where do you where do you see yourselves at the halfway point of the season? Yeah, we've progressed most of the facets of the game. We've we've progressed in our, our ball movement's been a strength uh, majority of the year, and our team defence will continue to take steps forward as a, as a group in the way we want to do defend the ground. Uh, the good teams obviously press the front half of the ground like most teams want to do. Our ability to do that will continue to improve. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, with a young group that we've got. A little bit of inconsistencies for us. It's probably been inconsistencies from quarter to quarter at times, which has been a little bit frustrating. But our best footy when we've played it against any side has shown to, to match up. So we're confident in the brand that we're building and uh, we continue to play against good teams and continue to roll out and those players get more experience in what we want to go about it. Um, that's, that's what we're looking to do, especially at this stage of the year. And what about what have you made of, of Collingwood? Obviously a really big win for them over their arch enemy in Carlton at the MCG last Sunday. What are some of the, the threats that they pose? Yeah, they've got some really good players on every line. Uh, they're moving the ball a lot quicker than they did last year and got some uh, their potency in the front half has been improved from where they were last year. So um, like most games, it, the ability around the contest will be really important. Our ability to get the ball in the front half for us uh, has been a challenge most of the year. So the more times we can play that front half game and uh, our potency once we got it in there has been pretty good. It's just our ability to, to get it in there enough um, to be able to match these teams has been really important.
The Denver Granger Barass uh, omission this afternoon is an interesting one with Sam Frost being out suspended and, and Scrimshaw injured. What, what was the reasoning behind that? Um, he was probably poor like a, a lot of players last week, but I thought down in Tassie performed a really important role against Brisbane in your win. Yeah, it's just another stage in his development, Brownie. We want him to, there's certain aspects of his game as a, as a defender. Um, obviously, he doesn't quite have the general size of a big key monster at the moment, so continue to work on tactics and techniques as a backman to be able to help him in, in when he's playing against those bigger opponents. So uh, he's worked on a few things this week with Chris Newman, the backline coach, uh, just how to approach that, and we want to, want to see him uh, make some progression in that, that side of his game especially. How have you enjoyed being back at the Hawks and, and joining the um, the group of assistants and, and obviously coaching alongside Sam Mitchell you won three flags with? Yeah, it's been enjoyable. Obviously, I think there was five or six players I'd, I'd still play with who were still around. Uh, obviously, a couple of them today are playing a pretty important milestone. Yeah. But, um, no, I've enjoyed it. The family coming back to Melbourne and, and getting getting suited back into school and sport life. And, um, no, I've, I've enjoyed the time so far. And, obviously, Sam, building from the base up with the, the group we've got now, um, understanding his philosophy and how he, how he sees the game has been um, really enlightening. Obviously, Robert Harvey and Chris Newman got views on the game that are different to, as well. So... Being at one club like I was for six years, you get a certain feel for how the game's played, but coming over to a different club and the culture and the way they go about things and the program they run uh, are vastly different, so um, it's been a really good learning curve. Haley, has he got angry yet in the box because the cameras <laughs> keep going to him and all he's, he's so done is smile, he's calm, he's relaxed. I can't believe it. Surely there's been moments not caught on camera, he's just cracked it. Uh, as you know, Brian, he's, uh, he's a little angry man. All those men that are under 175 centimetres get angry in time to time. So he's a very anti-tall person, which is not a good thing for me. And unfortunately, I sit right in front of him in the box, so my uh, big reflective head uh, sets him off a few times. <laughs> Magnificent. Thanks so much for joining us, David. Best of luck this afternoon. No worries. Thanks, guys. Hawthorne assistant coach David Hale there. I am always absolutely surprised. They crossed to the box and he's so I can't believe calm it. and composed. Do you reckon he's changed, Brownie? He's definitely changed, but, uh, yeah, also um, under under the smile, there must be – he's an extreme competitor, always has been. He would be upset. Um, about some certain results, but he just maybe he's just very good at not showing it. Well, he held a very good poker face last week. I can tell you what, I was very upset in my household <laughs> watching that game. JJ, your tip for, for this game, how do you see this one playing out? Because Brownie's tipping the pies today. Yes, I've been, uh, I've been somewhat bullish on the pies um, from... From before the season began, even it's in, it's it's very interesting hearing Nathan Buckley talk about the Pies. And, mm. um, typically, you'd probably expect the, the the coach had been moved on or has moved on to be a little um, a little uh, grumpy with the old side. But he's got you know he's got probably the most um, he's got the probably the most positive view on yeah, Collingwood that I've heard of all. So you know he would know as well. So I, I think they've got. Um, some real potency and some real skill. They've added plenty of dash and flair to their to their unit with Dacos and and Ginnivan ahead of the ball as well. So I like what they've done. They've they've covered thus far to for Brody Grundy with with Cox and Cameron, who seem to be a nice little one-two punch. So uh, no doubt Hawthorne can trouble them. I've seen Hawthorne play really really good footy here, coming back from 40 points down against Carlton to almost pinch the win earlier in the season. So Hawthorne can trouble them. I think it will be a really, really good game of footy, but ultimately I think the Pies have just got a few more seasoned 
uh, performers who will get them across the line. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Degoe had 11 score involvements last week against the Blues, and we talk about Mason Cox, but he actually, despite the fact that he didn't touch the ball all that much last week and just kicked the one goal, he actually had a really big impact with 11 contested possessions too, and, and he really stood up and was a tall marking um, target for them. Yeah, I, I think couple of the Hawthorne defenders that are out, it leaves them a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. If they can get the ball in really long and quickly, I think you know, Cameron and Cox and uh, and some of those forwards for the Pies might be the difference. So uh, hopefully it's a great game. Uh, obviously I'll be cheering on, on the Hawks and, and hoping that the two Milestone boys have a, you know, have a great day. But um, purely on, on talent on the field today, I think the Pies are the team to beat. And just quickly, a tip for Fremantle Brisbane? Oh, Frio at home. I've been a sentimental favourite of theirs for a little while as they've built, and I'm just loving what uh, Justin Longmuir and the, and the Dockers are producing. JJ, you on the purple haze bandwagon? No, no. Oh, the, 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 the defensive units can yes. get stuffed on with the teams <laughs> who want to score and score freely and score big. So I'm hoping Brisbane can put 130 on the board. Yeah, I'm with you on, on that one. I think Brisbane for mine in an upset at Optus Stadium and uh, hopefully the Hawks get the job done for Liam Shields and Luke Bruce in their 250th game today. Gents, it's been great having Sunday Crunch Time with you. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for letting me gate crash it. Oh, anytime. You're welcome back. JJ, enjoy the game at the MCG. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to Sunday Crunch Time. We'll be back again next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.